Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined for this episode by Felicia Goodwin. Hi, Felicia. Thank you ever so much. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. So the reason I really wanted to chat this morning was to hear your story and your heart around the community of people, the church that you pastor, how you ended up doing that, mm-hmm. how that relates to other sort of bits <clears throat> of your life. And I and I think there's a real richness in that story. Okay, so shall I introduce myself a little bit more? I'm- yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. That would be great. Miss Felicia, I'm married to Matthew. We've been married for a long time. We have six children and we lead New Life Family Church in Tinsa. Uh, it's slightly different. It's a church plant. We have a service one week and then the other week we have a meal where we just, a community meal, and we invite anybody and everybody to come and just eat with us. And it's like a love feast. We just come and get together. Full disclosure, me and my family also go to New Life family church and it it was really interesting for us we had been through a period of really struggling with church so I have mm-hmm. I have two boys and they had a very difficult start in life for various reasons and that just leaves you with all sorts of stuff that makes doing life difficult yeah. and they found doing church really difficult yes as a lot of children do uh, yes and, and lots of and adults <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. At the time when we started coming, we'd been out of church for a while and trying to find a community of people who could sort of cope with the fact that my kids didn't do things the way that, that other people did was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I know when you started, it was here in your kitchen yeah, and the garden was yeah. available for the kids to play in. And I thought we could probably manage this. Yes. And in fact, they did. And then you moved to a building. I was a bit reluctant. Mm-hmm. But then one of the one of the people in the church had a 50th birthday party and we went along and my youngest James said he wanted to go to that church I remember that Catherine I remember Mm. um when we were just starting the church plant and I was terrified actually to be quite honest I hadn't seen you in many years Mm. and I bumped into you in Trent Gardens and I was on my own I think I don't know I think I was meeting somebody yeah and you were with your boys and I met them for the second time yeah I think I'd met them many years ago briefly and then you told me your story and I can I hadn't told you at that point that mm. I wasn't going to tell you that I, I was you know quite fearful of this even speaking it out that God had told us to, ch- to church plant and you told me a story about how the boys hadn't been welcomed basically in churches and I was horrified mm. and I remember thinking in my heart Oh, well, they're welcome to come to our church. <laughs> but I hadn't started. I think yeah. we were just about to start and have our first meeting. Mm. And I fell in love with them. Yeah, and they fell in love with you, as just about everybody does. But there have been a couple of things about the way that there has been welcome and inclusion that has really made a difference to us. So the fact that that there was a level of understanding, because there are lots of families in our church with kids with special needs, or there are fosterers, there are adopters. Mm -hmm. So there was a level of understanding. And I found out that the Tuesday morning women's group had been praying for us as a family. Mm -hmm. And I think you encouraged me to come along. And I had so much 
much judgment from so many people. And there was just this precious moment when I was explaining kind of how I parent because my kids need a very different sort of approach. Yeah. And somebody, having listened, somebody said, well, not everybody's going to get this, mm -hmm. but that's okay because we can tell them. Mm -hmm. And that was just, that was such a breath of fresh air and such a relief, actually. And the truth is, Catherine, as a parent myself, we all parent differently. Yeah. And there's got to be, I mean... In throughout the church, throughout the, you know, talk like we're talking about within a church context now, but in, in the whole world, we parent differently, and you have a right to parent your boys how you wish to, and we would support that, and we did support that. Um, I loved, I remember that moment. Mm. I, I I loved also when you said, which I also agree with, that actually, but if my boys are doing something in your space that you don't like, you are very welcome to correct them. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. Um, you know, so in my face, correct um, like this, but that was the hug sign. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and that's important because that's how I feel about my children. If they're doing yeah. something, I would like you to say something. <laughs> I really believe we, we do raise like, this family in church, in our church, together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that really touched my heart was that, that, well, a couple of things. One is that on Sundays when there was the meal, when um, my youngest was coming along, mm -hmm. there was a lot of food that he wouldn't cope with. So every week there was beans on toast exactly. available and beans on toast made the way that he likes it, which is with little tiny squares of toast around a pile yes. of beans. Um, yeah. And communion is really informal at New Life Family Church and there are sort of wafers and he wasn't up for eating a wafer. And so every week somebody would keep aside a chocolate biscuit so that there was something that he would eat if he, so that, if he wanted to, so he could join in with communion. So that, I mean, that all of those things yeah. mm -hmm. gave us a welcome that we hadn't had elsewhere and, and just a freedom to be and a freedom to be who we are in that space. And that's been very precious. And I've seen that extended to lots of people. Yeah. And, that, you know, it's wonderful. And that, that was absolutely intentional, all those things. When God spoke to us about setting up a church, I was horrified <laughs> and very scared, as I've mentioned. But I remember saying to God, I don't know how to do this. I've not mm. had any training. What do you mean? I, I can't do this. Uh, however, I want to do anything you ask me, Lord. Yeah. And he said, well, yes, you can. You've had plenty of training. I remember specifically he said you are brilliant at doing hospitality and you and Matthew know how to do family and yes. that's what you will create. Yeah. And I know exactly how to do those two things. And so the most important thing is if you're coming to my home, you know you're welcome. Yeah. And I'll try and make you as welcome as I possibly can. And so welcome was one of the core cultural things that we started off with in all our meetings. And, and I still, mm. I'll probably end up doing maybe another preach on it again. Welcome so important because it's the first thing Jesus does is he welcomes you as you are. Yeah. Meets us, all of us. He met me as I was. And so we're to do the same thing. So, so I'm delighted to hear that. <laughs> well, I know that was happening because it was very important to me that the boys were welcomed. Yeah, yeah. And I and I certainly have noticed that actually there are there are quite a number of there are quite a number of churches where the church leaders do a lot of stuff with the adults but kind of leave the kids almost as a secondary thing. And one of the things that really that really blessed me and I very much noticed is that on the weeks when we had the meal, you would go and spend time, you would go and spend time 
with the children and the young people and had a real joy in doing that. Yes, the most important job, the most exciting time of of the week (laughs) with with the young children, with with all the children. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you're absolutely right. Somebody, quite a few other Christians have said that to me. Oh, it's unusual for the pastor to spend time with the youth. And I said, well, that's a real shame. It shouldn't be unusual, should it? It really shouldn't. It really shouldn't. It's, it's that sort of it's a real ageism, you know, that, that sometimes occurs. I don't understand it. No. I don't understand it. And I think no. the investment should be in all in all areas of the church. And a visiting where a preacher came with his wife and they absolutely, they love the field. They really love it. And something she said, the first time she came, did you introduce me to everybody? And I mean, I haven't been with anybody who's introduced me to a baby or a child and you knew everyone's name. And you would bring children over and say, this is. And I'm like, well, to my mind, why wouldn't, they're people. Why wouldn't you? They're, mm. they're, every child is is so important, just as important as any adult. I was, in a funny story, I was in another church, a church of England, I won't say where. Oh. And I never forget seeing uh, the church warden counting who had attended that week. And I just happened to ask him, oh, but you've got, he had a lower number than the number that I could see. And I said, why is this? And he went, well, and there were, there were the most precious group of about five adults with mm. no difficulties that would come from a local home. Oh, Felicia, he hadn't counted them. Half. I something along the lines of you don't count them as a full person. <laughs> and I remember having a big discussion about that and being quite horrified. Yes. That was, I just found that incredible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. It is. Yeah. It is. It's horrifying. You spoke about family and welcome being at the core. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that you felt that you hadn't had any training and God said, well, actually you have. And I think that that it's really helpful that that's been the training, that it's been life and your life experience. Because mm-hmm. it, otherwise it would be very easy to kind of, you know, if you go and formally train, yes. very often you then come back with a model that you want to impose and somebody's told you how to do it. Yes. And actually I have not previously been part of a church where actually the the foundation has been that foundation of family and the reason that I wanted to have this conversation actually is that what I see flowing from you is a huge mother's heart I mean I know all mothers to an extent have a mother's heart but there is I think there is a particular anointing on some women and on some men as fathers but on some women just have a they just have a particular anointing, which I think is why you've got six kids and not two kids. Yes, we have six kids and the last two are adopted. And that that has really shaped what the church is yeah. like. And I and I thought it'd be really interesting to to talk together a bit about about that and how who you are, who how your identity with that anointing has kind of shaped the way that you do church. Yeah, I think yeah. Thank you, Catherine. I think, yeah, I think it is really, it's interesting for me to reflect on that as well and to yeah. look back and to see, because God uses all of us. And, Absolutely. And we're always, in, you know, God's always training us for something, when, even when we don't realise it in a way. The, the story that stands out for me is when I was pregnant over my first child, we, uh, I was pregnant and I hadn't told anybody, obviously I'd told Matthew, my husband, but mm-hmm. and I'd walked into church um, on that Sunday and a lady, a lovely um, elder, I think, well, no, elder's wife or mm. um, she was like an 
child, wasn't she? She was amazing. Uh, came over to me and said, I've got a word from God. It's significant. You need to hear this. And she, nobody knew I was pregnant. And she said, uh, um, business, I can see an angel behind you holding this big lantern. It's a light and it's huge and it's so bright and wonderful. And then she said, there's, he or she has just placed lights all around your stomach. And, and then she said something very significant. And she said, and God's saying this to you, he's giving you a mother's heart. Mm. And I was like, wow, well, that's quite interesting. And, and I said, and then I did tell her, well, I'm, I've just found out I'm pregnant. And she went, oh, wow. And we just thought, well, that'll be it then. <laughs> but and it, but it, it's always stuck with me. And, you know, well, and I kind of pondered on this. Well, doesn't, I love children. I'm from an Italian background, so we're big on family and big on children, big on welcome, big on hospitality. And I did think, well, hasn't most women got a mother's heart? But there was something more significant about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I understood that as I became pregnant and delivered a baby. And I've also got two adopted children, so it, it feels the same way for them. Yeah. In fact, I'd probably say more fierce, actually, mm -hmm. with my adopted children. Need more love. Anyway, that's a whole different story. So I want to kind of, I'm covering all bases here as a mother. You know, I, yeah, I, I remember the, the fierceness I felt as a mum mm. and the love that grew. Uh, and God said, you know, I never forget feeling furious in love. Mm. And he said that's an, about something to do with another child, actually. It wasn't to do yeah. any of my kids. To do with another child. I was furious about something. And I said, what is this? When I remember shaking one time, praying about this child. And he said, that's my love mm -hmm. for that child. I was furious about that. That's a whole story. So that was a starting point. And then we grew our family. I stopped doing the work that I loved. Uh, which was at the time working with homeless people in the city. I adored it. To, to raise Bella, our first child, and then to go on to have more children. And, and then to put down that work and to pick up the most amazing work of motherhood mm. was quite a transition for me. And it wasn't an easy one at first, I must admit, because obviously lots of us were raised to work. I'd done degrees and loved my work and found a lot of my identity in that. There's a lot, I think, particularly particularly for those of us who've who've been kind of part of that society, which has really said to women, you know, you can yeah. go and do the professional thing. Mm -hmm. It's not always looked upon very well if you then leave that behind. No. And I had just got a promotion. I was doing really well at work. I had formed this amazing project that was helping homeless people. And, um, and you know, I wasn't getting paid very much. But that wasn't the point. I didn't care about that anyway. I was doing well and I loved it. I loved what it gave me. And I knew God was asking me not to go to work. Now, this isn't mm -hmm. for every woman. And every situation is different. I see women. I'm with women all the time. We're all in different circumstances. But I had a husband who was supporting us financially. Yeah. He wasn't earning that much money at the time. Interestingly, this is another good story. I remember God, Matt was very up to me. He was very mm. releasing. He's always been very releasing, up to you what you want to do. But I just thought, I'm going to I'm going to give birth to a baby. And I just knew that I couldn't give it to somebody else to care for this baby. Yeah. And I wanted to look after it, by the way. <laughs> so I, like, I, didn't, I did, but I love my work. So it was this big thing in my work, texting me, well, not texting, phoning me, are you coming back? All these different things. Um, I earned at the time, I just had a promotion. I, I was earning £12,000 a year, mm. which, you know, was a big promotion for me. I think it was on like nine before. Yeah. It was a while ago. And I th that night I said to my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my job up and look mm. after our baby. I, I don't think, she, I think I'd made this decision just before she was born. And he said, um, okay, great. Went into work the next day. He came home 
with the £12,000 pay rise. Wow. And not that. I, I, because it, it wasn't my concern. Money, by the way, is another thing about me. Money's never a concern for me. <laughs> I just, I worry about other things. I don't worry about money. Yeah. That's up to Matt. I know that was one of his concerns was, that's fine, I want you to give up. We'll just cut our cloth. We, we lived in, you know, a very, very modest house at the time. You know, we didn't, we, we'll, we'll survive without it. He came back with a £12,000 pay rise. Amazing, isn't it? How God just like, I'm blessed, I'm, you know, just there's wonderful things when we when we follow God and we listen to God whispering to our hearts about what we should do in all areas of our life, not just motherhood, whatever it is God is talking to you about. Listen and, and that faith of walking in faith and being brave in him. He blesses us, doesn't he? Not always financially. Yeah, but, but that was a really clear message that yes. said, yeah, no, I am with you in this. Yeah. You, you're you on the right path. And then there was some unpicking to do with me then, you know, yeah. and I was at home with this baby. I had no other friends. I was the first of all my kind of peer group to have a child. All my, my family were at work. I was quite isolated. Mm. I felt quite isolated. And I think I had to feel that to then reach out and create the groups that I was going to create further in the future yeah. with other women. Yeah. I was quite, I was on my own. It was just me and God and Bella, you know, which was a great, you know, a bit of a desert time, I'd say. Yes. Uh, at first. I loved being a mum, <clears throat> loved Bella very much, but kind of my circle, my kind of, it was very different. Yeah. And you are not naturally somebody with a small circle, no. I would observe. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, no. And so I then went on to create and find, you know, people, when people started having babies then, I guess. I think I was almost the first one and then people started having babies and then they'd come, you know, and then we would we, build from that way. But no, I think that time alone was really important, that time, mm. that stripping back. It's often quite painful. I've had lots yeah. of stripping back times actually <laughs> with God, but it was very important because actually he was like, your identity yeah. is in me completely. It is just loving me, worshiping me in whatever whatever season or whatever wherever you are that's your work and that's you know and that's i'm very great i'm very grateful for it so what were some of the things that you felt were stripped back that you perhaps had had your identity in um partly i guess i had a huge calling to go and work with paul that was a big yeah. thing when i when i first became a christian it was quite a, you know, it was a wonderful transformation and, and Catherine, you were part of that, the Alpha course I attended. And it was a huge kind of, yes, I'm, I'm going for it. And God spoke very clearly to me about working with homeless people. And uh, before I knew I was doing that. And then there was, of course, the homeless project we set up at church, which was wonderful. But I had to, uh, I did do that. I ended up going back with Bella on a papoose, actually, and doing mm. that. I suppose working in a team, working with people, I suppose that love that I had for, for the poor, really, mm. uh, I, I wasn't able then almost, well, what am I going to do now? That that's that was my calling, wasn't it? That's what I was going to do for you. But actually then realising it's never in the doing that God wants. Yeah. He just wants us in the being and just to be with him. That's it. That's all. That was my calling. Does that make sense? It, comple it completely makes sense. I also think that sort of... I. I would view it that we, that our core calling, our primary calling is about simply being and being with God and being loved. And then from that flows other things. Yeah. But 
the other things shift, don't they? So yeah. pre so pre motherhood, yeah. your calling yeah. was to the poor, and there are elements of that which I kind of still oh, see yes. that heart absolutely oh, yeah. in the way that you are with people. There is a there is a real equality in the love that flows from you for whoever it is, wherever they're at, however much of a pain in the neck they might be. <laughs> There's a real kind of love, but actually, if you've worked with if you've worked with people who are chaotic, whose lives are really difficult, yeah. there's um there's an understanding that has yeah. grown from that that flows into yeah. that flows into other things. And I, and you're right, Catherine. So it was all you know, it's it was wonderful for that moment, and God had placed me there definitely, and great stuff happened, and it was, but there was it's still and and at the same time, it's training ground. Yes. For the next yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever you wherever you are now, it's wonderful and embrace it. But God is is gonna use it for the next thing. Yes. I remember when I was at Teze, there was a wonderful Indian woman there, and one of her sayings was, I know that in this moment God is preparing me for the next moment. Amen to that. I, that's absolutely true. And that's yeah. I always think yeah. he's preparing me for next. Is this yeah. is painful? Can you hurry up? <laughs> it's all <laughs> about if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm weak. Yeah. So the the other thing that um, was sort of a bit on my heart to talk about is that at the core of New Life Family Church is a group of women who have known one another and have been friends and have been meeting largely around your kitchen table mm -hmm. for many years. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about how that yes. kind of came about. So that came about, actually, So I'm just remembering another story. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. If this is helpful, I hope. So I, I remember having four, I think, children under five. And so I've got a baby. And uh, oh yeah, actually, sorry, I think Pepe, my youngest, was a little bit older, maybe one, 18 mm. months old. And I remember, again, driving to school to drop some kids off. And so I live in the countryside and we've got a little countryside school and we're part of a village. But I was always doing church in the city. Again, I was I was still clinging on almost to the my heart for the poor, the poor in the city. And of course there's poor everywhere. I do know that, but we live in quite a nice village. Mm. And I, so I was always quite keen to go back. And I never forget God saying to me, I was driving in the car, I was praying, often praying in the car. They're all kids. I could hear them all shouting in the back, but I was praying. And he said to me, it's time to step up again, Felicia. It's almost like in that moment, I'd felt like he'd given me a little bit of time off <laughs> to parent, to be in the mix of things. Do you know what I mean? If you can call raising time off, but yeah, yeah. No, I could... <laughs> but in terms of kind of where he was wanting me, he's like, he said, it's time to step up again. Yeah. So Pepe was almost two, probably, or maybe younger, anyway. And... And I said, okay. And I, I could feel it coming in my spirit anyway. Mm -hmm. I was kind of, I knew that I was not lazy in my spirit, but I knew that God was saying, you know, I, I can't even remember what church I was in. Oh, I can't remember what church I was in. I was in a church in Hamley yeah. um, at the time and just doing stuff there. Well, just kind of being a passenger really for, for various reasons. Some of that was not my own. And then I said, okay, what is, what is that? What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, ask God for specifics. And he said, I've called you. You have a gifting of friendship. Mm. And I've called you to be a friend to many. So make more friends. Because I was kind of feeling, I don't know, and I knew a lot of people on, on the playground anyway. You know, I'm quite bubbly. I like to say hello to people, whether they like to say hello or not, back to me. But, you know, talk to a lamppost, I can. And, and so I said, okay. And, I, and then I said, show me who you'd like me to be friends with. And... 
and then people started to pop up. So yeah. even though I'd got a group, I, then I started to be very intentional about praying for those people and then saying, okay, God, I'm going to do an alpha course or do something and invite people from school. And, and so it's an intentionality that God planted to say, come on, set up, set up Felicia and um, start to do some stuff. I then remembered approaching a friend who's a friend now, who is a core member of our church who helped me church plant. And just said, to her, and you've got to give me her face. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like her face. I mean, <laughs> she's pretty. I don't mean she's ugly. <laughs> I just mean she, I, she wasn't particularly friendly. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a, a person I would naturally have gone to. And I just said to her, I think I just said, do you want to go for coffee? Literally like that. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I remembered her name. And she said, no. And <laughs> God has spoken to me very specifically about her. Yeah. And so I just persisted. And she came to coffee. Not a very long story short. She started to come on Alpha Course. Yeah. And became a Christian. And from that, I started to build through, I guess, through kitchen evangelism, if you want to call it that, or just around my kitchen table, talking about the love of God, really. I started to do coffee mornings every week. At the time, it was every week, inviting the whole community to the, to the house, anybody and anybody. It was women-based because women and children. There's something, a different dynamic going on when we're just women together. Yeah. There's a freedom there for women, I believe. I love men, by the way. Just mm. put it out there. Love everybody. Um, there's a space for men too. But uh, at the time, it was just women were coming. Grandmothers were coming. Local neighbours were coming. to the And we'd have 30, 40 women coming every Tuesday. Uh, and from that, I would then invite people to Alpha. I would do it at my home again. And uh, people started to, started to come to know who Jesus was. And it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How many years do you think that that group of women was meeting before? Interestingly, church so, started. I know, sorry. Interestingly, you should say that a friend of mine at the time, Tom. Yeah. We were chatting about uh, as we were as we were starting the church, as we were starting New Life Family Church, and he, and he said, you know, I don't know. People thought, people said, well, where are all these people coming from? Because it wasn't a church of just three initially, was it? We did have quite a, a few people attend straight away. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is the work of 15 years of friendships, mm. probably. And I've, I've still got, you know, those friendships are still very active. And some of those, haven't, they haven't all led to, to becoming Christians just yet. Mm. And they're still very dear friends of mine. But, you know, in terms of like the friendships I've made around the coffee table or out there in the community still, I mean, of course, they're very important to me. So, yeah, I think at the time it was many, many years of, of just doing what I was able to do with, with what I'd got, with the children I had, with the family life I had, with what coffee I had, with the money I had, just to do and offer that to God, whatever I, what what could I do at that time? You know, you hear a lot of church leaders talk about, you know, your influence and, and it is significant. What is my influence? Where am I? Where am I? Where has God placed me at that moment in time? And like you said, Catherine, it changes throughout. We always, you know, God's given us different time, different things, different areas to be in during different seasons of our life. But at that time it was school playground and I opened up my home. So mm. um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I mean, the other aspect of that, which I think is quite significant, is that I know that at the time when you began that work, you were actually part of a church where women's voices were very specifically silenced. And so I think there is something in God's economy about the fact that the space where you could mm -hmm. have 
a voice and an influence mm. was amongst was amongst women and from that real yeah. core group of as you say a decade and a half of friendship mm-hmm. that <clears throat> underpins this really beautiful mm-hmm. church community where people are cared for and welcomed yeah. and there is a real depth of relationship there yeah which I, not many churches would start with no and and i'm grateful for that now i mean again you, go, you, never, you never quite know what god's doing but and it is with sadness I remember that Catherine too and I think it's still today in many churches unfortunately women's voices aren't relevant Mm -hmm. or children's voices you know that's also a thing yeah or people who are poor you know all these different things everyone's voice is relevant Mm -hmm. um I was in a church that we were trying to desperately serve in and there was no way for me to serve in that church. Mm. And so I noticed, and I was desperate because I thought at the time, well, I, I, I knew I was doing all this at home and I was, and I was, because living your life for God is serving God. Yeah. And that's wonderful. So, you know, every day is serving God. So, however, I knew it was, I would love to put something back into the church and there wasn't a way for me to serve. And I'll never forget asking the pastor at the time. I I noticed that the toilets were a bit dirty and I noticed that there was, no one was cleaning the church. So I said, I would love to come in just secretly. And can I come in on a Wednesday, if I get the time, you give me a key and I'll, I'll clean the church for you. And it's a great way for me to serve. Mm. I just wanted to do something. And I had a great time. I, I would go and I know, you probably think, well, you've got four kids and you're a mad woman. You've got enough to clean your own, clean your own house. <laughs> just, but I remember going over there and gladly doing it, putting worship music on and dancing around and cleaning. I remember the urinal's been a bit mucky. But, you know, but I, I thought, I felt like, okay, I can finally say to myself, I am helping with this church. I really wanted to help in some way. And let me tell you, part of hospitality is having an area and space that's comfortable. Yeah, so I knew it was absolutely. very, very important. It was a very important job I was doing. I didn't want anybody else to know about it. And I don't think anybody else did know about it. Um, I don't know why I've mentioned it now, actually. I feel a bit bad about mentioning it now, but I have mentioned it now. So that was the only way I could serve in that church. Hmm. I remember being physically silenced when I was sharing something, you know, in a faith group. And I remember I felt I was spiritually silenced in some way. Uh, they they did get to know about the stuff that was going on here. I was obviously very open about it and was telling everybody about it and loving my women here and their children and their families and their husbands and whoever they were with uh, and saying about it. And I never get a man in the church said to me, well, I think there should be a man there. And I said, mm. uh, why do you think that? And he said, well, it'd just be better. And I said, you're talking utter rubbish. And I knew it was one of the, it, it was time to go. Yeah. It, I think <laughs> in a women's group, there should be a man there. I just found that an interesting comment. And it was almost to, to make sure what was being said was, you know, I'm like, no, no, mate, you've, you, you've I don't know, have you read, have you read the Bible? Mm. Have you read the Gospels? Uh, have you read the stories? I don't know. Uh, Phoebe was entrusted with a letter yes. to the Romans. Yes. <laughs> she was entrusted to by Paul to be the first person to speak it out. Mm. I'm a bit like, what? I, I just, in all of me, in this, I'm a very loyal person. It took me a while to go. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then they, the same church I was in, then were talking about the great church planting movements and they were on about church planting again. And the area they were looking at was crew. And I remember saying to the pastor at the time, they called him leaders, I don't know. Um, 
I, I know loads of fantastic churches in Crewe where you're thinking about going. Yeah. They look, they're talking about a specific area, but they're doing fantastic work. Why would we go there? You know, go to somewhere that hasn't been touched. Actually, where I am, I you know I'm, I'm nurturing a, a, not just women now because, of course, part of loving women is mm. that we love their families. Yeah. So I, I'm, I know their families too, and you know, there's quite a big group of us now that I think we could do something there. And he just went. I don't know what you're going on about. We need to send. We need to send a man of a man of peace there that can do the work. And I knew then. Well, maybe I was that man, woman, <laughs> person of peace that had already been loving people in the name of Jesus for many years there, and doing the groundwork there for a church. I wasn't suggesting in any way that I would lead it. I was just suggesting the area, and maybe I could go and help serve and clean there. Mm. Uh, that was certainly not on my radar or a, a thought. And then I then, cut a long story short, uh, I really felt it wasn't long after, I really felt the spirit really say to me, God say to me, it is time to go. It is yeah. time to leave this church yeah. and go into the community that you're, you know, be in the community that you are, where you're building, go and do church there. And I remember telling them that I was going to do that. And they were very shocked and upset. And in his final words to me, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with mm. Catherine, was, that's fine, you can go. We do not commission you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I remember saying, I don't want you to commission me. Yeah. God commissions me. Yeah. And I bless you. Mm. Yeah, that's very sad, isn't it? It's really sad. Yeah, and and we'd only ever loved in that church and given financially and given where we they allowed us to, and you know we'd, we it was the right thing if he'd have seen into our lives we were here and it was right that we should come and serve in the community, and so yeah, that was the real sadness that mm. he would see it that way. I hadn't even seen it that way. I just maybe I've just been very naive. But yeah, all the power struggles going on in church. It's just not how, <clears throat> it's just not nice. No, no. And a real, a real desire to control. Yeah. It, yeah. Such sadness. I hadn't seen it up to that point. And I was thought, wow. Mm. Then um, I was chatting to, to dear friends of ours, who Catherine knows actually, the church leaders themselves actually in a different area. And you know, they'd heard our stories and, and knew our journey. And he just said, you really need to start your own church plant here. This was many years before we actually did it, six years before that. And I just said, look, I'm not that person. I don't want to be that person. I'm, you know, I'm much better. I, you know, I, I knew, I just, yeah, I just felt terrified by that thought and said, there's a lovely little church, you know, church building. I want to go and serve there. I want to say to the vicar, what do you need us to do? We want to come and serve here. We, we, we know people in the community. I'm doing health courses. And it is a trickiness. We were half an hour away, 20 minutes away from the churches in the city I was going to. It made sense that we would build something here. Anyway, so he was like, well, okay, but I really believe you should be church planting and we'll help you. But I did, I well, I did ignore it. I said no. And mm. then said, I want to offer my service to the vicar, which is exactly what I did. I went to the local church of England, lovely vicar, spoke to him. And he had a message. He rang me straight back. And I just said, we are your servants. Mm. What do you need to do? And he said, well, actually, <laughs> straight away, I need you to be youth leader. Yeah. 
just and so me and Matt served six years as youth leaders across the benefits they call it so it's a group of churches about three or four uh we've got we live in like uh, villages that are all separate and the churches are separate and we worked across them all actually and they did all sorts of different things in the local church of england in our village for six years mm. yeah so what pushed you to leave and okay. get um, on with the yeah and do the church planting um, I, I guess similar things happen. So, uh, interestingly, um, we, when I showed up for the first service at our local church, mm-hmm. I went with two other families who I'd been uh, nurturing and discipling, actually, the women I'd been discipling. And so we, they gained 12 children quickly. Wow. Yeah. They, we walked in and I said, we are here. We are here to serve you. We are going to join. And they were flapped. So it was like, you know, so it was, there, was, there was two men, uh, myself, uh, my husband and my friend's husband. And then another woman, not her husband, wasn't coming to church, but her kids were. And we all just came along and they were, they, they had no children in the church at all. From us, we started to build and bring in people, local people that we were connected with. And we had been loving and discipling in, in Alpha and our outreach coffee mornings had been bringing in and I could then say, come to this service or come to this. Da, da, da. And so the church started to grow and it grew significantly. And then, uh, and <laughs> unfortunately, there was power struggles in that church. By the way, I, I, we were back row. I was a back row girl, didn't, always serving, never wanted to be at the front, hate speaking at the front, never wanted to do the prayers. You know, you had to go up in church when you go and do prayers. I never wanted to be asked because I didn't like reading out loud. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. I was really happy to do the kids' work, to do everything that nobody else wanted to do. I'm really happy to do those things. With a joyful heart, naturally, loved doing those things. And I just think, I think one time we started saying, um, the people I was bringing in, really, and that's exactly what it was, couldn't, uh, I think that kids weren't very welcomed at times. They were told to shut up. You know, a lot of times they make a lot of noise. All of a sudden they went from, you know, I think it was 12 months that we were, the church grew quite a lot. People often say, and in life, we often say we want something, but the yeah. reality is very different. And so we all know that. We're just human and we know that. So they wanted... Oh, they were so excited when we first came with, with having children. But the reality of having lots of children raising around your church... Is that there were lots of children raising around the church. <laughs> and uh, they'd gone from a very sleepy, declining church of old people, some very precious people there, actually, mm-hmm. still there, you know, and traditional hymns and uh, of doing away things in a certain way, not really wanting to change their structures in any way mm. to welcome families, really, or to welcome anybody, actually, uh, really, I think. And I think we really challenged them. Yeah. It is challenging and change is challenging. And we really tried. I remember viewing it like God is sending me there. I'm going to be a missionary there. I will wear what they, so I went very smartly dressed. Mm. I tried to fit in to that culture. And I, yeah, I tried, you know, the, the old ladies would, you know, comment on my nice dress rather than coming, you know, I'm sitting now in scruffy jeans and a jumper. You know, I tried to fit him and tried to get the kids t- to behave well. And our kids are fairly well behaved, but they're children. So I know, I think one of the turning points was when during communion, that was a very different experience there and, and want to honour how people do communion. So there was a space at the back for children, but you can't stop a baby from crying. No. And that somebody turned around and just said, 
shut up will you shut up and the other things were practical practical elements of welcome were not they've got these beautiful big oak doors and not wanting to open them for prams mm. reluctant for wheelchairs you know that kind of reluctancy to really change how things are and how to reach out and so, so after six years of that and and to be fair the vicar he was very much for change but it isn't always the vicar who runs the church no no and so he was you know beautiful guy got on very well with him but yeah so what god was also doing so matt and i were doing youth work across the benefits we were getting to know lots of different families actually with their children and loving those kids and and actually we're seeing the fruit of that now in our church today that we're seeing we know we've made all those connections many many years ago that god is bringing in god is bringing into us so anyway long story short it was a community service which was a disaster i remember inviting so many people to this community service which is a lovely idea i mean the idea of community service is beautiful isn't it you mm-hmm. invite those people from the community write to them invite them all in and they come we i got a school on board and it was wonderful and they talked about recycling and all sorts of weird stuff. And I just felt God speak very clearly to me again, saying, your work is done here. Yeah. Go and do that seed that was planted. You've tried. Your heart has really tried here. Mm. But you can't, you're not wanted here. And and, and people, oh, but significantly, this is what was happening. People were leaving. So the people that I had brought. So it was like, it was a church within a church. Mm. If I can remember correctly. So we'd kind of almost church planted into this little Church of England church and they just didn't mingle. No. And I thought, well, God, I, I want to leave these people to what they want. Yeah. And, and to be happy in how they worship you. And we're also trying to do something different and it's not welcomed here. And and I'm going to love them and bless them with that. And so I'm going to go. I spoke to my vicar about it. Who blessed it? However, That's... the church didn't bless it, Catherine. Mm. And there was a lot of trouble for me. I had three bishops come and visit me. Goodness me. It's a whole different story. Very, very, if I, yeah, it was quite, some, most people could have been very intimidated by what had happened. And interestingly, uh, we had a meeting here with one of the bishops, or or I can't remember kind of who he was. He was higher up than the vicar. The, The vicar came and the church warden came and he just, and Matt and I were there and he just wanted to understand what had gone on. And I explained all this, like, you know, we're just leaving, we're loving, we're loving you, we want, we're doing church in different contexts. We realise that our, the context that we want to do church isn't the context that you want to do church. So no one's coming to your church because of that. And so you've got to understand the people that have, have come mm. are because of the relationships we have with them. And I'm explaining about the coffee mornings and the alphas and the relationships we now had. And we did garden parties, we did all sorts of stuff actually here. And and actually how the two aren't going to marry, unfortunately, in this church. And yet so we still want to do something in the village. Yeah. And but it's very different. So the vicar at the time really blessed it and thought it was he he knew what I was talking about. He he had the same struggles. Mm. And he said, Well, what sort of stuff you've been doing? And I was explaining to this bishop what we'd been doing for years and kind of who we were, um, in terms of yeah, in terms of, you know, anyway, what we'd been creating. And the groups that I had, the discipleship courses that we were running here from home. And he said, our church don't recognise any of that work. It's got nothing to do with us. The warden said. Wow. And I, and I was like, you know, even though everyone was, you know, I don't know. I was a bit like, okay, well that, okay. And I said, and that's the problem. And I said, and that's the problem. Yeah. My vicar didn't pipe up or anything either. Oh, yeah. Gosh. No, no. And I said, that's okay. 
that's the reason why we've left. Because there's a different work going on here to yours and we love and bless you. And we've only ever worked and blessed you in that way. Again, another kind of different context of church. But we just want to do something completely different that you don't want in your church. Mm. Because they were very angry that we were going. They actually wanted us to stay. It was bizarre chain of events that went on. Anyway, we didn't stay and we tried to we tried to hire the school to meet and we came up against tons of opposition from the Church of England that we were in. Um, and because of the Church of England school, they had the final say. Right. And we were kicked out of the village, basically. I had people not serving me in the little shop. I had people crossing over the road, people saying quite dreadful things to me, purely because uh, we... We left a church and people leave churches every day, all the day, you know, throughout the whole year. And no one says a word. <laughs> so it was, and this is my village that I'd been in for 20 years and had loved. And um, and not everybody felt that way. That was It was a few people, probably mm. I could name three. Yeah. Well, I won't ever name them, but, you know, three people that were causing an awful lot of trouble that were unhappy, but it actually set fear amongst the other oldies that I loved and were still going to visit and still part of. Yeah. So that's a real shame. So we ended up meeting in Stone. And we got a lovely place in Stone. But I did God did say to me that you were to meet in Tinsa, you see. Yeah. You were to meet in Tinsa, to do a church plan in Tinsa, a very different church. This is how you're gonna do it. Do it the way you know how to do it. You know how to do hospitality, you know how to do family. And I just had this idea of eating. Let's eat every other week because that's a great thing to do. And it's and it's non-threatening and it's welcoming and we can invite anybody we want to it. And actually something we grow in intimacy as we eat, because Jesus yep. showed us that. So actually it's a it's it's so worthwhile doing a lot of. And and then just do a very informal service the other week, which of course we we did. And then lockdown happened. So can I talk about this? Yeah, go for it. So then lockdown happened. So all that happened with church. So things did eventually calm down, even though some people still don't talk to me in the village, which is fine. I'm always loving them and we are very kind to people. I, I remember the time when we didn't get to school. Sorry, I hope this is not confusing. I, when we didn't get to school, there were a lot of parents that were coming to our church that were at the school that were very cross about that. And like, why can't we use our school? We were going to give money to the school. Yeah. It was over the head teacher's head. She couldn't do anything about it. There's a foundational governor that was linked to the church. It was a part of the church, really. That stopped. Um, and I remember saying, we just love them and we're just going to be peaceful. Mm. It's not time yet. So yeah. let's not be angry. Let's just let's go to where we're meant to go. There's reasons and it's okay. So then lockdown happened and we all found ourselves in our homes anyway. We did church in a very different way on Instagram Live and Zoom like everybody else did. And then the, the building in stone that we were using was no longer available because of food banks, unfortunately, because, you know, lockdown happened, poverty increased and food banks increased, which is brilliant. Um, and so they just couldn't offer us the same facilities. And so, honestly, this again, me being a bit thick, I didn't even consider Tinsa as a place to meet. I just thought, right, well, I didn't want to make trouble. I just mm. don't want to make trouble. Let's ask, let's try and get a church building as, as lockdown was opening up uh, somewhere in the area, lots of beautiful villages around. Let's go into one of the village halls and let's try and rent somewhere out. Nowhere. No, we contacted local schools as well. We'd contacted loads of different places. Nowhere was was open because no, of COVID. Everyone was very reluctant uh, and to have regular, so nowhere was doing it. 
And the only place available, which I didn't inquire about, somebody in the village said who comes to our church, was Tintinsa Village Hall. Hmm. And God said, I told you, you were meant to meet in Tintinsa. And it was a different, it was a, at the time we couldn't go to Tintinsa because there were people from the church on the committee. So that had all changed during lockdown. And it was different people who, who didn't really care. And so we were, we were part of the village, you were entitled to rent it out. It's money for our village hall and for our community. And you could see the benefit of us being there. Yeah. The phrase that's been going through my head in our conversation is that verse that says, I will build my church. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what God has been doing, what the Holy Spirit has been doing. Kind of like when you were at the church where being a woman wasn't the thing when you were part of the church. So actually, this church plant did start when God intended it to start. Yes. Yeah. And we still, yeah, I, I feel very blessed that we we continue as a community to reap the benefits of that. Yeah. And you're right, Catherine, probably the first time that David spoke in that word to me, you know, plant a church, mm. it wasn't right in my spirit. I'd still got six years of training, really. Yeah. Of being sick of it, of being, I just remember in that moment, six years on, when I, I knew that I, I should leave the little church of England I was in, but I remember saying to God, but what, um, what am I to do with all these people that, you know, that were mm. connecting in some way? I could see them. We're now out with our shepherds. But really, I was their shepherd anyway, really. Yeah. Shepherd within a shepherd. That's what we do in churches anyway. We pastor each other, don't we? So yes. I was already doing that stuff. And God just said, you need to step forward very clearly. Mm. It's time to step forward again. And I knew what that meant. I think I remember saying to God, and who will step forward? There's nobody. <laughs> and he said, you will. Yeah. And I cried. This is how, this is how it works out in me. Mm. I remember crying for three days solidly about leaving the church. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I know I just don't, I don't think they understood the connections and love we had for the church. Yeah. For each church. Yeah. And the sadness, it, you know, but actually, and but that they couldn't recognise that God is doing something just different to you guys. It's different. It, it was an opportunity for you. You could have embraced it. The vicar did, but you guys didn't. And so mm. it's gone somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And and the other the other word that that's been kind of through my head. I know we chatted a bit before we started recording is that thing about having a voice and having been silenced mm-hmm. and because that's something that you've talked about you talked yes. about a couple of times yeah yeah well that happened to me I, I maybe I was silenced a lot as a child I don't know I think so it was a familiar um thing like a stone for me to go under again does that make sense yeah. so you know not to you know, and I, you know, and I'm all into everyone speaking appropriately <laughs> as a mother as well. But I'm, but I'm naturally quite uh, uh, have a voice, and I like to talk a lot, as you can tell. I remember when it, I was silenced in that church in Hanley. I think I talked about it earlier on, and it, it took a lot of undoing. Mm. That sil- I remember trying to after that trying to speak here. I did speak here and and continue to disciple women here. I remember starting to stumble over my words. Mm. I really felt it was a spiritual thing and not being able to say what I wanted to say and feeling terrified about saying something wrong yeah. uh, in the name of Jesus, you know, and getting it wrong mm. and being very fearful of that. 
And that took a little bit of healing. It took a bit of recognising at first because that's not, your healing starts when you recognise something. Yes. And then I remember, yeah, and then thinking, I need to work this through. I need to speak out. God, you've called us all to share your love and and however that looks. And, and yeah, so, uh, yeah, incredibly, I, I felt that for many years after. And, mm. it, and, yeah, and God was like, this is not... And I remember God saying, so so when he said, well, you you know, you, you're going to have to church plant. And then I obviously approached uh, my friend again. Well, actually, my friend then said to me, you need to church plant again. I saw him the next day, again, how God had worked that out. I very rarely see them. And I was seeing them the next day after this moment where I thought I should leave the Church of England. Yeah. And he said, it's time, and he gave me a word in the spirit, it's time to check, it's time to step up and do something. Yeah. And I remember saying in that moment, I cannot speak. Mm. And he said, you, God's like, I will speak through you. Yeah. You don't have to speak. I will speak through. And I know we all reckon, we all we might not know the story about Moses, but I do really relate to him. God asked Moses to go back to Pharaoh to free the Israelites. And Moses, you know, he'd been raised as a prince yet and had run away because he'd murdered somebody and all that story. If you don't know it, go and read it in Exodus. It's brilliant. But Moses, who'd had this amazing upbringing, said to God, I can't speak. Mm. I don't know. I haven't got those words to go back to Pharaoh. To, he had to go back and face his past almost, where there'd been fear before maybe. Well, there was fear. He had to go back. You know, and, and there's, a, there's a lovely sentence where, you know, he kept asking Moses and, and then God burned with anger. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt that moment, really. I did feel a bit like God's a bit like, get over yourself. Remember... It's when you're weak, I can be strong. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, don't for, leave the ego. You should drop it. You know, it's ugly. It's not, it's not what this is about. This is so much greater than whether you think you can speak or not. Mm. I'm asking to do this and I'll do it. And so it was really with a holy fear, Yeah, I'd say. Um, and a passion t- to love people and a passion to speak about Jesus, but... A, but, you know, to do something slightly, completely out of my comfort zone, completely out of it. I never wanted this. Mm. I never wanted this. And then it still can be scary. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. It just flows so naturally from you, though, that, you know, that that love and that hospitality. And, and I see you with people. And I think one of the gifts that you have through who you are is that you have... You both have a mother's heart and you're an enormous extrovert. Yes. Which means that your capacity, you have a really supernatural capacity to love a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. And I, I see that. I see that in the way that you interact with people, in the way that you have a real sense of love for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether they are awkward and difficult to be with or not, that kind of love, that love that you have for people really flows. Mm. And you have a voice. You have a beautiful voice, both both actually in how it sounds, but also in in the heart that I can hear in you and the heart that you have for people and the love that you speak. Yeah. You know, Catherine, thank you, because, it's, you know, when I first became a Christian, I think the thing I prayed for most was love. Yeah. God, give me love for people. Without it, you know, we're nothing. Mm. You know, and scripture tells us that, doesn't it? And actually, it is love that love never dies. It never ends. It is love that 
it does everything, doesn't it? You yeah. know, I don't ever profess to be clever or good looking or anything that, you know, I just want to be known for love. Mm. And I think, you know, where, you know, someone can come up and present something and it can be very clever. But when you speak in love, you can say anything. Yeah. Because if you do genuinely love, you know, it does come at a cost. Yes. Because when you love a lot, you lose a lot. Does that make sense? It does. And yeah. It's costly. It is costly. And I am bothered and it keeps me awake at night. People do. And, you know, just when I hear somebody in church is hurting in some way, it, it does. It, it, I, hurt, it, I hurt with them. I know we all do. And we're called to do that. We're called to rejoice in the joy and weep with those that are weeping. But, I, you know, it's, yeah, I... I, I do. I, mm. I'm thankful. I know when I'm tired, when I'm irritated and don't feel quite as loving. I'm like, God, um, I'm sorry. I need to, you know. Get some rest. Get some rest. <laughs> I need to get some rest because I'm not as loving as I. So I mm. And they're my measures by how I'm loving. Yeah. 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 I, one of the things I was just, I was just remembering a moment in church, noticing there's a beautiful couple and I think one of whom has recently had a 90th birthday comes with his wife and they are just beautiful they kind of shine they're lovely people and I can picture them yeah and I can also picture one of the babies and there was one week when I thought something dreadful had happened to her because she got all these red marks on her face Oh no, I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> when I got closer, I realised it was because a lot of women wearing lipstick had kissed her. Well, probably me. I'm known for my red lipstick. <laughs> I don't think it's... <laughs> and Jan wears red lipstick too. Yes. So oh. bless her. She was wandering around just covered in kisses. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it, I think um, when people step into our church, you know, our family church, and maybe we're biased, but people do do you feel the love i think i think they do and the fact that there is a sunday every fortnight where it is simply food so it is just love it, you know if you're wondering whether it's all right to bring somebody along yes you know that what they're going to meet is love they're not going to meet anybody trying to tell them what to think or what to believe they can simply be amongst a community of people who love them and then if god wants to take them on the journey yeah, then it's really special then god can do that and i have had a few people you know just Whenever you step into anything, there's always not criticism, but well, maybe there is a criticism. But you know, there's this aren't you going to pray before? And I really gave this much thought before we started, and I said no. I think that's absolutely right. Um, you know, and well, why not? Well, I said because I'm, this has got to be a place where everyone feels comfortable where they're at right now. Absolutely. Well, I am a woman of prayer. I love mm. to pray. Um, as you know, and Catherine, you're the same. And, you know, and, but I just kind of feel like, I just don't think that's necessary <laughs> at that moment in time. We're praying. Absolutely. Before. We can be prayerful. I'm praying often on table. She'll see me praying for people, actually, if they need it, they mm. want it. Sometimes I'll say that if we, and, and we're like that as a church. We are, you know, very, we're a praying church. But do I want to like formally stand up and, or someone say it at grace? I, I, I think grace is already with us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you've got to think about, okay, God, what is the vision you gave me, mm. gave us? What is that vision? And I've got to always be mindful and be true to that. Yeah. And not to be swayed by man or, or woman or child or anybody that comes up. What are we trying to express here? Mm. And it is feel comfortable, be comfortable, be with us. This is our church family eating together and inviting anybody with us because our love that we, how we love each other is seen, mm. isn't it? 
Yes. It's yeah. just displayed by the beautiful, I mean, the food we have. It's amazing. It, it, it's amazing because people always come and say, oh, I don't think they're this good. I'm like, <laughs> who does it? I'm like, just random people every week, every other week, just different people mm. as well. It's nice when they feel up to cooking. And that's one, and the other thing that I had from other people helping me initially to church plant, the idea of food really was quite out of their comfort zone of how they were doing church. They were very great in releasing, do what you feel God's calling you, but how are you going to manage this? I'm like, I'm, that is for God to sort out. Yeah. I know this is what I think he's asking us to do. Mm. And there's never been a week where we've been short. We've never been short of food. We feed often 60 to 80 people, don't we? Yeah. We fed more. Yeah, it's, um, we're never short. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing I'm going to say, just because it's kind of in my heart, is that I just have this picture of the young women in our church mm -hmm. who look after Guy. Oh, yeah. So, so Guy's story is... Kathy's story, Guy's story is one of the other... Yes. One of the other episodes. Just go back um, and listen to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, I just have this picture of a, a couple of the young women who who meet him and care for him. And you talked about everybody having a voice. And one of the things that happens every every week that we have a service is that we all learn a little bit more Makaton yes. that enables us to talk to Guy, yes. whose voice is very different from anybody else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's really rather beautiful. Yeah, and I suppose to lead on from that, but, you know, when you're building a family, everyone's got a very important space. Yes, yeah. And that was very important to us. Yeah. That, so everybody in church is equally important. Absolutely. And even if you don't have to be doing something to be important to us. Of course you don't. Or, or to have a voice. Mm. So in a way, you know, as mum of the church, if you like, uh, as a mum of the church, I'm looking at my children and thinking, what, what are their needs right now? What do they want? What, and, and you're important to us. Mm. And you're loved just because yeah not because you can play an instrument or not because you can serve coffee really well or not because you can preach or not because you're great at kids work you're just loved and i think that's core cool. i think that's yeah. really important absolutely absolutely yeah precious yeah beautiful and and god looks with such love on us people who god has made yeah and yeah. yeah, and yeah, and I think when you feel that love from God, you then want to give that love to others. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which moves it outside of the realms of organising things. There's not a lot of organising of stuff that goes on, really. No. I've noticed there's a lot of people getting together because they're friends. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you know, just go to Acts and we look after each other. Yeah. It's really important. We do that. If you can't, you know, if we we should be looking after our church members and we go uh, beyond and look after our communities too. I'm wondering whether there is anything else in your heart that you feel is important to say. I don't know. Maybe just, I think, whoever's listened to this, wherever you are, you're in the right place. Mm. You're in the place where God wants you. Have a look around and just say, God, who can I love? Who should I be spending time with? Give them, a, give me a picture of their faces. Point them out to me. How can I love? How can I be your hands and feet and your heart, Jesus, in this situation I'm in? And there was one time I remember feeling before I was doing a lot of the kitchen 
evangelism or loving people, ministry, whatever you want to call it. Being it, friends, that's be, a good thing to call it. You know, I say God said to me, I've given you the gift of friendship. Yeah. You know, and before that, I remember feeling a bit like, well, you know, again, in my transitioning out of my, my identity as a worker and working for a, a place to like being at home with my children. And I remember saying, remember being quite prayerful one time and saying, you know, God, I just, you know, how am I doing your work? And he said, yeah, all the time I'm sending people to you. Uh, and then I noticed through that week and through that month and through the next months ahead, people were coming into my home, for example, even a cleaner I was having mm. really needed to hear the love of God. I mean, she was going through a dreadful time and then neighbors would come. And then that's how I knew that actually this, wherever I was at, God is where with you. Yeah. Wherever you're at, whether you're housebound, God is with you. Whether you're in the workplace, God is with you. We have to have a, a very different perspective of how we view our work as well. Mm. You know, it's, it is meant to be joyful. It is meant to be, you know, it, it, God is giving you an opportunity. What is that? So I, I guess that's the thing. I'm not keen on titles and was really keen mm. not to give many people titles at first in the church. Just to mean... Even house group leader can send people in spirals sometimes. We're just doing, we're loving, we're just loving. And mm. I think, I suppose I want to end with just the world is short of kindness and love mm. and try and be that in the name of Jesus and God empowers us to do that. Yeah. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for your time. And it's beautiful to hear your story. Oh, thank you. God bless. Bless you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course, or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening.